0: Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues.
2: Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning and we are pleased to be joined for a year in review by Ken Dixon, Capital reporter with Hearst Connecticut Media, and Christine Stewart, editor-in-chief at ctnewsjunkie.com and reporter at NBC Connecticut. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. Good morning. Well, COVID nineteen has certainly been the big story of twenty twenty. But what aspect of the pandemic have you, as a journalist, found most compelling? Ken, I, we'll
0: start with you. Oh, Aaron, it's the death toll. You know, I've got I've got this little pocket calendar that goes back to March seventeenth, with, with the first fatal, and then the daily death stats and hospitalizations and it's it's super sad and there's so many families affected and um
2: yeah and i think sometimes we can get lost in the numbers but each one of those deaths represents a person a family friends how have you been able to go beyond the numbers in your reporting and and talk to some of the individuals who have lost loved ones in the pandemic
0: people reach out to me one of the more memorable ones was um, I kept referring to the first fatality on um, on March eighteenth and um, it was in um, you know one of the nursing home people and a uh, next of kin, I think it was the son-in-law uh, reached out to me after fortunately after only about a week or so and and said that uh, his father-in-law died on um, the seventeenth and you know St. Patrick's Day, and um, it, you know it's book—it's only bookkeeping, but it's important. And um, I, I was really glad that that person uh, sent me an email, and we started um, uh, kind of a low-level back and forth. But yeah.
2: And when you think about the toll, it's—it's it's a World Trade Center attack plus. Just involving Connecticut residents when you compare the numbers.
3: Well, nationally, I mean, we're seeing you know three thousand people a day um, dying from from this virus, so it, it pales in comparison um, to to anything that we we've ever known or, or ever seen, um, and I think that. You know, I, I think what's really confusing, what we haven't wrapped our heads around uh, with this virus, is you know why it impacts some people so different than than other people. Um, you know, you have some people who are completely asymptomatic and don't even know they have the virus. Some people just lose their taste and smell. And you know, other people um, you know are knocked out by it. Uh, you know, one of the the 32 year old staffers uh, for the governor um, was hit pretty hard by this. I mean, you know, he described it as he felt like somebody was was sitting on his chest. Uh, and this is somebody who's you know 32 years old and runs six miles a day um, you know to somebody who was struggling to go up a few flights of stairs. Um, so I, I just think that the different strains of the virus, as we're seeing now, uh, it's 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 very complicated and it's hard to understand as to why some of these things are happening the way they are
2: when you look at the death toll, the the majority of the deaths have occurred in. In nursing homes and assisted living facilities in Connecticut, and COVID, especially early on, really did spread like wildfire there. And the state commissioned a report, which which did find some shortcomings about the response.
3: Yeah, I mean the the state did find the the shortcomings that the nursing homes didn't necessarily respond um, as quickly uh, as they they may have should have. To the virus. Uh, You know, I spoke with a few nursing home uh, nurses who said that, you know, they didn't even have the proper PPE. Uh, when this started. You know, somebody brought in a bag of homemade masks from home that were cloth masks and 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 handed them out to the nursing staff at one of these nursing homes. Um, you know, so sourcing the materials that they needed in order to protect themselves and protect their patients uh, was really hard. And the fact that, you know, the virus was coming and going, even when visitation was shut down very early to these nursing homes, so family and friends were unable to um, um, access their loved ones. Um, you know, staff was still going back and forth, and and the staff was asymptomatic sometimes, um, and spreading the disease within this, you know, the these small settings.
0: Yeah, that's a, a very horrible part of the of the story. The way uh, the employees were um, working in multiple homes and just spreading it around.
2: Do you think we're going to see some, some changes legislatively coming out of what happened since March in, in nursing homes in Connecticut?
3: I I think that we have, you know, several committees looking at um, the nursing home issue and what can be done. And I definitely see that there's going to be legislation, um, you know, to continue some of the governor's executive orders regarding nursing homes, but uh, also to look at uh, nursing home safety in a way that we might not have looked at it before.
2: Now, Ken, talking about the the wheels of government, they essentially ground to a halt in March You've been covering the Capitol for a long time. Have you ever seen anything like that? Just, you know, stopping?
0: Well, there have been occasions where I wish they would, but, you know, joking aside, uh, you know, it's a, it's a historic year. They, they ended up coming back and um, cobbling together some special session material um, that were important pieces of legislation in response to the Black Lives Matter. Uh, movement and and the need to um, increase safe safe voting for um, for the election we and have we, never really seen the governor's
2: executive authority on display the way we have since March in Connecticut really issuing a number of executive orders from you know shutting down bars to imposing travel restrictions.
3: Yeah, the governor has had an unprecedented amount of power during this time. Um, and his emergency powers actually run out on February 9th of 2021 so i think that you know we're going to see the legislature come back in January and you know they're going to have some hard decisions to make as to whether you know that should be extended or or not or whether the governor is even going to ask for an extension of those powers um but i think that you know part of him is eager to share power um with the legislature at the same time the legislature you know understands that it's easier for one person to make a decision than 187 people to make a decision
0: and that did well, become a political issue some amount of the legislature under, understands that then there are the republicans
2: well exactly this did become a political issue heading up to the the elections in in November where, you know, there was a lot of debate over whether or not the Governor should have extended his executive authority. And I'm guessing that that some lawmakers were happy to to let him uh, do what he thought was appropriate because they were on the ballot, and he wasn't
3: that's exactly that's exactly <laughs> true. Um, there was the Committee of ten that did vote to um, extend the the Governor's. They voted six to four. The Republicans voted against it um to extend the Governor's uh, emergency powers.
2: Do you see the issues related to COVID-19 becoming more politicized as we start the 2021 legislative session, as they appeared to be leading up to the election in the fall?
0: Um, I would say with smaller minorities, the Republicans have, have less less to really say about it. Um, they'll They'll certainly go through the motions of bipartisanship um as as issues come up um but you know the governor's learned on the job this year and um you know this you look back to march 12th let's say and um here we are now aaron yeah
2: you know another major storyline this year related to the pandemic was the elections Some in Connecticut have been trying for years to expand voting access and allowing vote-by-mail or absentee voting for for no reason. The state constitution bars that, but because of the pandemic, we were allowed to vote-by-mail using COVID as the excuse if we wanted to. Do you see that being changed in some way going forward related to the constitution so Voting is expanded, absentee voting.
3: I think that they're going to uh, obviously raise that issue. Um, It's a constitutional issue. So even if they agree to do that, um, that would still have to go out to voters. And the earliest that it would be able to go into effect would be in 2024. Um, So, you know, even if uh, for the next few elections, uh, we are not going to have that opportunity, um, even though I'm sure that, Many people took advantage of it um, and uh, enjoyed being able to um, vote early uh, by absentee ballot.
0: This will be a reason to cover the uh, government administration and elections commission to a uh, committee to just to see uh, how the the Republicans uh, stand in um, helping people vote. Um, nationally, the Republicans have taken a cynical view that, the fewer people vote, the better the chances of them winning elections.
2: There's two seasoned political reporters. How do you think the, the elections went overall in, in Connecticut in terms of things running smoothly? Certainly, state officials and local officials had a lot of changes to deal with, some at the last minute. But, but it seems that, you know, problems were few and far between.
3: Um, Yeah. Uh, Go ahead, Ken, because you're uh, down at Bridgeport.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Bridgeport, you know, it's a Democratic city, so you you can throw out as many votes as you want is still going to vote Democrat. I'm thinking of that Wallingford House seat. I don't know what happened there. It's like uh, Craig Fishbine goes from incumbent uh, loser to winner. I, I never did drill down into that one.
3: Yeah, I, I still think that they have no idea what happened that one. Um, I, I There was one problem uh, in Hartford um, at one of the voting locations in which the voting location was just too small to um, social distance. So the line backed up and backed up and backed up. And it was like down the street, around the block, and people were waiting and waiting and waiting for like hours and hours and hours to, to vote. So I think looking at the how big the locations are we go to physically vote in is going to be uh, something local election officials take a look at.
2: You're listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Christine Stewart, editor-in-chief at ctnewsjunkie.com and reporter at NBC Connecticut, along with Ken Dixon, Capitol reporter with Hearst Connecticut Media. We are preparing for the 2021 legislative session, and it will be online, at least to start. Uh, Christine, how are are things going to unfold when the legislature gavels in virtually.
3: Yeah. So they will actually be initially starting outside on January 6th. Um, the plan is to swear everybody in all 187 lawmakers outside Um, The House and the Senate would be at various different times. But public hearings, um, you know, public hearings usually go through probably the first two weeks of April in um, the long session years, which we're coming upon, which is budget year. Um, So everything is going to be held uh, via Zoom at at this point, uh, which I foresee that there are going to be very long, possibly days long Public hearings on various topics, and Senator, um, Senate President Martin Looney, who is the only returning leader um, who has served more than forty years now, um, said that you know it won't necessarily it will be they will be fewer bills, but the bills will be condensed. So there will be several, several topics in in one bill, uh, which is going to make for a difficult negotiating for lawmakers.
0: Hey, um, Christine, does it make me a bad person to root for a sleet storm around noon on January
3: sixth? Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> Ken, what are
2: some of the hot issues gonna be? We understand that sports betting is gonna be on the agenda and now the, the governor is is voicing his support for a, a deal with the tribes. And we understand recreational pot's probably going to be back as well.
0: Yeah, nothing really goes away. There are all these zombie bills. Uh, Connecticut just signed on to a regional uh, transportation initiatives that would entail raising the gasoline tax. So that, that should be interesting. Um, yeah, I had a story today about um, cannabis. Uh, the producers are... Uh, doubling their, their footprints and, um, they're, uh, they're saying they're not lobbying, uh, but, um, they're prepared, (laughs) they're prepared to, if the state wants to go full recreational, um, the state's going to have to look at some, uh, revenue and sports, sports gambling's out there. Um, and yeah, I think three or four, whatever they can do to raise some amount of money here and, uh, and hope for Biden to open up some um, state and local relief uh, when he takes office on the 20th.
2: Does anyone at the Capitol think
0: tolls are going to be back?
3: I don't think tolls are going to be back, but they do have to address the shortfall in the special transportation fund. Um, so whatever that looks like or whatever they can do um, in order to get money uh, to fund road improvements, um, even though there probably are fewer people using the roads these days. Um there is less gas tax revenue to be able to make improvements to the roads. So um, that's why this uh, regional gas initiative that the governor has signed onto is going to become even more of a a political football here because it's going to uh, raise gas taxes um, and um, to help, you know, fund and, and make more energy efficient, um, Infrastructure projects,
0: and they need something for the special transportation fund because it's going to go uh, at this point. I think it's next June it would be broke Christine? Yeah. yeah, yep. Yeah. stepping back
2: in terms of covering the government, as both of you have for for years, is there a, a silver lining in the pandemic that this has opened access to? government proceedings in many ways, many meetings that were only held in person were held via Zoom or some other online platform this year. Does that make it easier to cover the news and and maybe allow more citizens to participate?
3: It could allow more citizens to participate. But the problem is, um, you know, who is listening? Uh, You know, is the government, uh, are these lawmakers actually listening to what the public has to say via Zoom? Um, because it's really hard to turn away from somebody um, when they're face to face with you at a public hearing, and this building is open. Um, it's a lot easier to mute a person or to shut the computer, or you don't really know how much your message is getting across because there's no back and forth um, in these conversations with you know via Zoom. So three minutes of public testimony via Zoom, um, you know. It might not mean much.
0: And um, as far as reporters go, I mean, we we like the access, um, and I'm certainly the lobby the lobbyists uh, want the access to the lawmakers. So it's it's definitely harder for us, but it, it might be easier for the public though to keep track if if they've got the patience to wade through these endless Zoom. Um, hearings and then there's the issue of uh, i mean christine does it all the time i do it all the time there are three meetings going on at the same time and you're just trying to monitor you know multiple things i, I mean i guess zoom ctn yeah, it's it's just easier being able to walk around the lob and and then the legislative office building and run into people so backing away from covid 19 what
2: other stories this year took a back seat because of the pandemic that may have been, you know, the big headline news of the year had we not heard of COVID-19.
3: Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the issue of, of tolls may have may have kept going, um, you know, uh, legalizing marijuana uh, would have continued, um, you know, the the, the, yes. Childhood vaccinations for um, diseases that have been virtually eradicated would have been, you know, one of the one of the hot topics, and you know, I think we're going to con- see all of that continue in 2021.
2: There was also the kerfuffle over the the summer regarding. Utility rates for EverSource, into a lesser degree, United Illuminating. Do you think that was still news if there wasn't the pandemic? Because at least some of that was caused by increased domestic usage, because more people were at home and not at the office.
0: Well, there was a lot of damage there, and uh, and the the rate hike uh, um, corresponded with uh, the storm. I'd say that would be that would have been a top five story either way.
2: And of course, I know you are both political reporters for the most part. But even before the pandemic, this year we had the the news of of Fotis Dulos, and that continues to to play out in in the courts, uh, albeit more slowly these days.
3: Yeah, um, you know, I never got a chance to to cover that, but that would have been definitely a continuing story, and it is a continuing story. Um, it's just um, COVID is pretty much overtaken uh, everything. And I remember at the beginning when somebody would ask me, you know, you're a political reporter, what are you doing covering COVID? And I was like, but it's going to impact every facet, uh, of our life. And and it has.
2: Absolutely. And you know, another story that we, we heard about relatively recently, the closure of the Hartford current newsroom. And both of you have backgrounds in, in print journalism. Uh, Is that a a bad sign of things to come?
0: Well, it's it's not good, but it it bodes uh, it's it's the truth of the, you know, the hedge fund uh, crowd uh, trying to invest or invest, (laughs) make make profit off of, um, you know, newspapers.
3: Yeah, we don't have enough time for a dissertation on exactly how um, how newspapers have have lost um, reporters and the number of newsrooms we have lost um, over the past year and that the pandemic just sped all that up, uh, even if the, the writing was on the wall before. Uh, I think that, you know, uh, they learned very quickly that, uh, you know, real estate is not necessarily something that they have to invest in these days.
2: So looking ahead to 2021, uh, Ken, we'll start with you. What, what story should we be keeping an eye on uh, for the new year? Or a story you'll be keeping an eye on for the new year?
0: Well, you know, we're general practitioners, so it's, you know, whatever's going on on a daily basis. I, I kind of like the, um, uh, the probability of, uh, of lawmakers looking at uh, changing uh, the governor's powers uh, in a civil preparedness um, uh, incident. I mean, public health was one thing, civil preparedness is something else. So I expect that they're gonna look at that. And, um, you know, five or six things if they can get through this session and, and bring in some revenue. Um, it's the first year of the, the budget. Uh, it's, it's an off election year. Um, this, the governor's going to decide on his, uh, reelection uh, effort at some point. I imagine, you know, when do you think that would be Christine in the, in the summer, early fall? When do you do that? Do you do it a full year before
3: the election? You do do it a full year before the election, but I think that, you know, he's obviously going to have to do it after he, uh, he gets his budget passed. So maybe after then.
2: Christine, what stories are on your radar for 2021?
3: Well, you know, I think that the budget is going to be a big deal. I know that we have a $3.1 billion um, rainy day fund, but there's no way that we're going to be able to cut ourselves uh, out of this mess or um, reduce spending, I mean, uh, or increase taxes uh, in a way that that fills this hole. Um, and I don't think that the gov- federal government's going to come through uh, with enough money in order to make that happen, uh, even though Representative Rosa DeLora is the head of the Appropriations <laughs> Committee now, um, which is good news for Connecticut, a little good news uh, in an otherwise uh, dour year here. Um, but recreational marijuana, um, you know, sports betting, the elimination of uh, vac- uh, the religious exemption for childhood vaccines um, is another uh, hot topic issue. Uh, and sometimes you know, uh, probably voting and early voting will be another topic of discussion here.
2: She is Christine Stewart, editor-in-chief at ctnewsjunkie.com and reporter at NBC Connecticut, joined by Ken Dixon, Capital reporter with Hearst Connecticut Media. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, and Happy New Year to you. You too, Aaron. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.
1: Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio.